in the hot seat, I'm Meg Muir. It's good to be with you. Today we have a really special guest on the show. With me is Grace Sharkey. Uh, Grace is a proclaimed freight tech nerd, so I'm super excited to unpack that with you today, Grace. Uh, but you're also a staff writer at Freight Waves, and you host a show on SiriusXM called Drive Time. So we're just really excited that you've joined us. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me. Honestly, this is uh, one thing I'm very passionate about in this industry too, is just women that are, you know, in the front lines, getting stuff done and a uh, big fan of everything happening over at the Tenny Group. And then of course, this is like the first uh, female interview I've had over the last month. So I'm oh, well, good. feeling good comfortable deal. and ready to go. <laughs> well, you're, you're a professional. So we're, we're excited for the interview. Um, I just want to start off learning a little bit more about you and your background. Maybe talk to us about how you got into uh, your line of work and, and also uh, at Freight Waves. Yeah, so I will say I think I'm, I'm like a lot of people in this industry where if you asked me in college if this is what I would be doing, it would be probably not. That's how we all kind of stumble into logistics in some way. Right. Uh, I, I wanted to go actually into nonprofit work. When I graduated, I had loans to pay, and I was like, well, um, nonprofit doesn't pay those loans back. So yeah, sure. I knew about logistics. Uh, I used to fundraise for Michigan State uh, as a student for scholarships, various oh. programs. And uh, C.H. Robinson, TQL, a lot of companies would come mm -hmm. And recruit us because we were used yeah. to hearing no on the phone, right? Like uh, sure. a lot, a lot of resiliency built up, and in talking with people and finding out, you know, what their passions were. So uh, I, I knew a lot of people that went into the industry, and I, I wanted to go into it, but I wanted to find something that was uh, more long term. And so I actually uh, linked up with the founder of a logistics company called Fifth Wheel Freight. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, I was the second employee there. We wow. um, ended up recruiting a number of my friends, even from, from college and in the wow. fundraising space. And we built that startup from a, a handful of us to about a hundred employees and wow. 80, $80 million in revenue over about eight and a half years. And uh, yeah, talk about getting a business degree through real life uh, work. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible Absolutely. experience. And uh, so that's what got me into it. And uh, uh, quickly from there, I, I decided to, to step out and start consulting. I had a couple of friends that are looking to start trucking companies and, just interested in the space. It was right about that 2020 time where we started to get a little bit hotter and, and this uh, industry became a little bit more sexy for those out there. And um, a, a friend of mine, uh, along with Juner and a number of people at Freight Waves had brought up me coming over there and, and writing about freight tech. And it was a passion of mine in, in my previous role as a strategy officer in operations. And uh, so I, I jumped on board, started writing and then quickly started doing podcasts and then quickly started doing, uh, the radio show as well. And it just, I love the pirate ship we have over there and just this like passion, everyone's so passionate about, about, uh, spreading the, the good and unfortunate news of this industry. And it's just sure. such a wonderful culture that I'm so happy to be a proud of. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's such a, a well-known and well-recognized organization. Uh, Dooner, you mentioned, I mean, what a fun person uh, to interview with. Uh, his content and the things that he produces are, are really fun to follow and watch. So 
No, that's yeah. great. So talk to us a little bit about uh, freight tech and, and really what interests you most in that space? You know, I think it started from my roots in, in operations and, and really strategizing in that business how to, mm-hmm. I don't like to say do more with less, but become more efficient. Uh, yeah. This industry is just overwhelmed with manual labor and, and work that mm-hmm. uh, can easily be done by technology that's been available for at least a decade now in other industries, you'll get finance and, and yeah. of course utilizing, I mean, just even the way you utilize the internet. I mean, when I first started, like we were faxing and, and, yeah. and sending and writing manual, like VOLs. And it was just like, Oh yeah, I, I, I get very anxious when things aren't operating in the way that they need to operate or at least in a more efficient way. And I think yeah. more so, I'm a very, I'm a people person. So when I see people struggling through operations or not being able to reach their sales goals because something is holding them back or lagging, like I, I want to jump in and fix that. Yeah, so, absolutely. But tech side that naturally came as, as a, as a place to look. So at that job, I mean, I, I interviewed with so many different tech companies looking at the solutions that were available out there, uh, implemented sure. a lot of them, a lot of the big names that are being used today. And, and uh, when it comes to even just change management and culture of adding tech, like it all really fascinates me. So that's, that, I think it's the problem solver in me that's, that's really interested in how freight tech's going to change our industry over time. Yeah, absolutely. And it's grown so much over such a short period of time too. It's, it's really yeah. been interesting to kind of follow along and um, understand the enhancements and advancements that are being made in that space. Um, and it's also, I think, unique uh, and interesting because it's just so fragmented, right? And so, oh, yeah. you, you know, you, you think about key players, whether it's uh, TMS or WMS or CRMs or ERPs, and there are key players in that space already that really occupy the vast majority of market share. And then yeah. you have this subset of all these uh, cutting edge new technology companies coming in and doing various things within the transportation space. It's it's really fascinating, I think, uh, to watch and and understand how people are going to be adjusting and acclimating and implementing some of these new technologies into their organizations. Um, so maybe with that, talk a little bit about freight tech, uh, the need to prove itself in certain ways, uh, and the maturation process from from your point of view. Yeah, you know, I want to tie this into something that you just said too. There's a lot of legacy players, especially when you want to look at management systems and and, sure. and ELDs and, and all of the carrier yeah. systems and things like that, load boards too. Uh, sure. You you see these key players that maybe haven't focused on some of the newest technology that we're seeing, right? Like uh, sure. when, especially TMSs, like dynamic mm-hmm. pricing capabilities. Uh, yeah. Uh, big one that we all, I think, watching what happened with Convoy, of course, is is mm-hmm. automating load matching. I mean, that's, uh, you, you could say digital freight broker, we could get into that, but really the core of what they're doing is the digital freight matching, allowing the humans to take care of the incept- exceptions and, and just that initial connection being done tech-wise, which I think we all, if we really want to look in our souls and look at how we book vacations and how we, I mean, even book cabs and things of that nature, like that's how we prefer to do things. And so I I think those areas though, still, because of how you brought this up, how fragmented the industry is, I think we still haven't seen 
at least on more of a small to medium sized scale business wise, how this could be adapted to our operations today. It mm-hmm. is possible. We just had Brad Jacobs right talk at our F3 event and he said RXO is sitting at over 90%. I want to say he said 95% of loads are are digitally matched. There's no human interaction. So we are looking it, it is possible to get to, right? But yeah. yeah. You look at someone like RxO and they're deep, their culture's deep in technology. So that's one. How do we get people to say, you know what, we need to change and we need to, that also comes with changing incentives, how we're incentivizing players in the brokerage space. So when I, when I say that, I think we still have need time to watch a lot of like, I'd say freight matching in particular grow uh the future's there but i think as a culture we need to still work it into our our nature of work and i mean even like i was explaining to someone the other day like when you onboard a carrier how many times does a carrier tell you i go everywhere well that hurts an algorithm because you don't go everywhere like yeah you know you're not going to maine every weekend there might be a few carriers that do but you don't and so there's that like i I think it's this like over time and and i'm in a lot of really great discussions with carriers and brokers and shippers too who it's starting to click they're starting to understand their position right like and how making especially freight matching work on a higher level. So I think we're getting there. It's just, we still need to figure out how we're incentivizing and paying our employees. Uh, We still need to figure out how we're, we even incentivizing carriers, right. To download these applications. So we're again, the future's there. We just need to, I think be a tad bit more patient and a little less uh, finger pointing at at those who have tried and, and maybe in our eyes have failed. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. And I think you also made a comment about change management and that entire facet of an organization um, might be more prevalent, right? And, and your top um, carriers and a very yeah. familiar part of how they do business. But you think about the majority of over the road transportation carriers or even brokers out there, change management and incorporating change management personnel and expertise internally is probably not something historically that they've had a lot of experience doing. And so I think the ability to make sure that you match change management with the evolution of the technology needs with the organization. It's such an important pairing uh, and successful launch of, of new technology. So I think that, that that's a, that was a good comment that you made as well. Um, so what about uh, marketing? Uh, as we think about freight technology and the way these companies go to market, um, you know, what are your insights around maybe some of the things that, that is, you know, they're doing well in that space, but also areas of opportunity, right? Um, where can things go wrong with freight tech and, and marketing and their go-to-market strategies? Yeah, you know, I think, and, and I see this a lot in the work that I do, especially when people come and maybe pitch stories or have new systems that they are interested in having us cover. Uh, yeah. For me, it's, and I don't know why our industry struggles with this, but really explaining the use cases and, and showcasing mm-hmm. I think some people are sometimes are afraid of, of maybe losing a customer or being exposed or I mean you probably know this more than others just once you are in the investment arena there's only so much that you can really showcase and, and talk about so yeah. I think that they get trapped in this bubble but I think what's especially from my point of view and, and seeing 
ads and especially uh, press releases, things of that nature, it's like really dive into the problems that you're solving and how that's changed or uh, progressed the company over time. One of my favorite, uh, I would say strategies or kind of like a campaign that recently I did cover um, Mm -hmm. was uh, I believe Optimal Dynamics is working with um, BCV Transport. And they did like a full um, kind of exposure of their beta with them. And then this included the bad stuff, right? Like uh, how hard it was to at at the beginning to get dispatchers to understand that they might not be making the best choices. Right. Uh, And, and showcasing that this could work. Like they were explaining that on Tuesdays, they would call it, I think like tech Tuesdays where no matter what you weren't able to go around the system, you had to, to, to match your drivers to what the system told you to match. And they quickly saw an increase in revenue and what these trucks were able to bring in. And so I just thought it was, it was such a great way to, of course, maybe sell your product, but it also showcased the hardship of change management. Something we talked about because I think that's, that's somewhere where people aren't honest. Uh, Whenever I talk to someone and they say, Oh, this system didn't work for me. My first question is, how did you implement it? Right. So showcase that a little bit, but then they also, you know, had the, the president CEO of the trucking company explaining, you know, that he was wrong. And that's what I, you know, I think sometimes we just, we want everything to be so perfect and the human stories and it's are what really connect us. And I kind of like, it's ironic because a lot of times the pushback, especially when it comes to freight matching is that, you know, this is a human industry, human led industry, like that, that will never change. But then when it comes to the marketing, where, where is that sentiment? So I think, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it, it confuses me. And I, so I just hope people, you know, do, do webinars, do podcasts like this showcase to people, the human stories that we all agree are there. And I think that you'll see people understand, audience understand, oh, wow, I deal with that problem every single day and it drives me bonkers. I got to hear you out. And so that's just, I I think I'd love to see more of that from our industry right now. It's like a lot of, here's some stats, trust us. It's right. Uh, I make, I, I have a, my dentist in town. I laugh because he has a billboard that says, um, like, uh, number one dentist in Lansing, but he has an asterisk that says voted by his own team. And it like, <laughs> makes me, it's like, that reminds me of like freight tech where it's like, who even is giving you the best of, you know, when, remarks. Yeah, sure. And so say, just get it back to the human element, do podcasts, do uh, webinars, showcase to people the problems you're truly solving for people. And I think you'll see a better outcome. Yeah, no, I love that. The the learnings from the failures uh, yes. is a really important part of, of showcasing what the tools and, and products can do for your organization. And that whole element of benchmarking with peers, right? And sharing yeah. best practices. We've kind of gotten away from that 
um, you know, years ago that used to be pretty mainstream, right? We're sharing best practices and making sure that you were ben benchmarking on a regular basis. Um, that was part of operating a lot of these companies. And so, yeah, kind of getting back, like you said, to that human element is so important for continued growth and um, improvement within our organization. So, no, that's great. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about, um, and I'll just toss you a curveball here. Um, and I also want to talk about uh, themes, future themes in, in 2024. So um, I'll start with the themes. There's there's a lot of great information coming out. Obviously, Freightways, your products, the way you aggregate data and your content, it's unbelievable. So um, let's start off talking about 2024, uh, key themes that you're, you're seeing, you're hearing about, your teams are talking about in terms of freight tech for next year. Yeah, I think there's uh, probably three major ones and maybe one that might surprise you might might okay. you're the audience a little bit but uh one i'm gonna go with carriers a carrier uh one of our top 25 uh companies this year was best pass um and i think that and they're number four uh and i think that showcases the need to help these carriers get technology that will make them more efficient to get through the markets that we're seeing today i, sure. I don't think that we see anything coming back to quote unquote normal, however we want to ex ex even uh, define that uh, yeah. until at least the summertime. And honestly, I'm probably a tad bit more pessimistic than most. Uh, sure. what, but what we have seen here at Freightways is just uh, honestly drivers not falling out of the market, which means that they are watching their pennies, doing everything that they know and have learned through the years of being in this industry to make sure that they survive. So yeah. imagine that uh, with the added uh, technology to make them even more, uh, their cash flow even more positive, uh, help them make better pricing decisions. Uh, I think we see that more and more, especially the pricing aspect now. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've dealt with carriers or so, oh, this, uh, the broker just told me this lane's going for a dollar a mile. I, but I think the carrier audience is starting to understand well, that could have been a, a, a backhaul to get them to $4 a mile. They're starting to understand the dynamics a little bit more of yeah. the industry. So I think that makes them more uh, better at investing in technology to make their uh, businesses a lot more efficient. So companies yeah. like Best Pass, um, Relay, I think a lot of these payment mm -hmm. systems, uh, Duke AI, these like background uh, systems that will help make sure that they get paid on time, that their paperwork is in order, that it's sure. that drivers not just sitting on a BOL for three weeks and that revenue and that, that profit's not coming in. So I, I think we'll see a little bit more into the carrier side um, and especially with all the risk uh, analysis going on right now with fraud in the industry, uh, they want to protect themselves more than ever. So um, okay. anything that's going to prove that they're doing their job right, I think we'll see more investment in. Uh, I think the other one, and, and this kind of goes off of the bro or the carrier side, it's just even more focused on um, payments, but with the risk aspect aspect applied to it, right? So watching for fraud, making sure that um, the, the bills are coming in, that they're getting paid on time, especially on the uh, logistics provider side. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, of course, I think try and pay is one of the biggest in our industry that's doing that. Um, but you also see OTR solutions coming out with some really um, great technology. Um, 
there's uh, APRL is another really great mm-hmm. company that I, I love to watch. Uh, really smart team over there too. Um, so Denim is another great one. Uh, the Transflow, right? I think mm-hmm. watching the, these companies, I think are going to have a really fun 2024. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, yeah. it's off the backs of people not having the great time uh, in the logistics provider space. But I think uh, those investments will start to to really pay off. My last one, and honestly, this kind of came to me last night during the radio show. This is so. This is like a, a nice, fresh, hot take for everyone out there. Perfect. <laughs> uh, ESG initiatives, emissions uh, calculating. Uh, I mean, we've got uh, California that's got a lot of really strong uh, regulations coming in next year. Uh, yeah. We have the SEC that's knocking on people's doors, asking for um, what their uh, companies or global footprints are. And I think what, I think what people don't understand in this industry is that sure, maybe someone like Anheuser-Busch has a huge team behind it, who's doing this and and this work and knows, you know, what their, uh, their direct emissions are. But when Mm -hmm. it comes to like the scope three and following the supply chain, I get very nervous that there's doing with carriers already having problems that one day uh, Walmart or someone's going to knock on your door and say, hey, to continue taking this load and contracting this load from us, we need you to send us a monthly emissions report on your business as a whole. And my fear is a lot of them are going to be like, what? You know, like, I don't even know where to start. I don't know how to calculate that accurately. And they'll get kicked out quickly, right? Like, and if anything, we've heard from, at least from Biden in the last couple of years, how much they want to, uh, 2030, right? These big goals that we set as a country um, yeah. to bring down our carbon footprint. And I just think the tech is so far behind right now where it needs to be. So I'm very interested as these regulations start to hit next year, yeah. what we start to see come out, what companies are coming out with some really great solutions. I mean, there's even stuff that we've lightly worked on and, and uh, promoted this last year in that space. So yeah. um, that- No, I think that's a, that's a good one, Grace, because even yeah. on, whenever you mentioned the, um, you know, e- even you think of electric, right? And, and battery recycling programs and companies that are playing specifically in that space. Like, it's really interesting to kind of follow and watch how are they going to be compliant and as quickly as uh, the regulations are coming out, right? Because exactly. it's evolving quick. Um, and then ESG, like you said, I mean, uh, obviously there's the whole DEI elements, but the carbon footprint and emission side of it, um, I'm just fascinated to watch kind of this race to who is going to take share in terms of um, aggregating that information or being the first to say, yes, we've kind of hitched ourselves to these top retailers or these top shippers. And then that that, you know, there's there's generally a few companies that make it and all of a sudden integrate, you know, coast to coast, right? And so um, I know Ecovadis is in it and, and there's some other key players in it that are, are really trying to grow in that space. And I agree. I think, I think that that pairing uh, will happen, right? Where companies won't have to just report it at 10,000 feet, but um, on a more granular basis, I think that, yeah. that that's coming, certainly. Yeah. And quickly, right? Like, I think that's, it's it's not going to be something where it's like, oh yeah, give us a month. We'll get that to you. Like they're going to want a click of a button that answer. Right. And so yeah, who's going to come in and and handle that? I'm that I'm excited to report on. Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting to see what companies do with that data. 
right? So, I mean, we see it a lot from an RFP perspective, of course, but what what are going to be some of the outputs of receiving that information and how are they going to utilize that locally within their communities and, and in other ways? I think it's going to be interesting to kind of watch what they do with that information. For sure. I love it. Well, I love that statement. I do want to say that, you know, I, I started talking about how my original work was in nonprofit work. And I, I love that you said it that way, because I think when we do focus on some of these emissions areas, we're going to see a lot of communities get healthier. And it, and that's what I, I get very excited about, too. I mean, I'm in Michigan, Detroit, right? Auto mm-hmm. manufacturing is huge. They, GM in particular, is working on some really great green initiatives, and I'm excited mm-hmm. over time to see how that helps Detroit, um, just overall healthcare evolve as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I mentioned a curveball, and I know you haven't prepped for this, but I'm just really curious, and I like to ask guests this question. Um, you know, you've got your crystal ball, and you're looking at the next 10 years. Um, talk to me about the biggest change that you see if you look in, into your crystal ball, specifically for transportation from, from your perspective. So, and I feel better about saying this too, because again, Jacob's brought this up at F3 and it's something yeah. that people keep talking about. And and honestly, we have reported to at Freightways in, in regards to like using sonar. I think yeah. a brokerage will look completely different and mm-hmm. the role of the salesperson and the carrier person will be either completely eliminated or transformed into something so different yeah, I mean, sure. think about it. It kind of reminds me of like the best analogy I like try to make for people that might not be able to wrap their head around that is like uh, the stock markets back in the day. But when we got the actual technology behind it to not have so many people watching the movement of markets all day, how much yeah. quicker those transactions became. Yeah, and I mean, made. Yeah, sure. yeah. And then even into like Robinhood, how how now, right, there's this like, everyone has an opportunity. It's, it's so less, it's democratized that everyone yeah. can come in and, and have a piece of that pie too. And yeah. that's the one thing I get really excited about as we start to culturally understand, okay, listen, like what we're doing as a broker isn't just matching these two. Let's automate that. Let's get that over with. Mm-hmm. But watching the dynamics of pricing throughout different market swings and conditions and, and being able to like make uh, some type of uh, forecast, knowing weather patterns and things of that nature. Like yeah. it's going to become, I think the, like right now a top broker is a really good sales dude in his like mid twenties, you know, like making a ton of money. And I think it's going to turn into kind of like a, a, a tr- what a trader is today where it's, yeah. no, you're, you're an analytics guy now. Like the, like sure. the freight tech nerds are going to rise and <laughs> less of a sales bro and more of a analytics, uh, uh, provider or, yeah. uh, 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 uh an analyst, right? Overall. So that is like my, I, I, I sometimes wish we could flash forward and, and kind of be like, no, see, like, this is what this is going to do. Um, but that's, I think a brokerage, what an average brokerage looks like today will just be like, we'll laugh at it 10 years from now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's neat to think about. Um, well, Grace, I really appreciate all your time today. Thanks so much for being on the show. Um, loved your insights and, uh, really enjoyed the conversation. So thank you. 